0: Do you know what? I'm really stressed. I've been working really hard. I don't know if I'm coming or going. The last few weeks have been insane. But you've cheered me up with our fun chat before the show. And you've put me in a good mood. And I don't think I'm at my best when I'm in a good mood. I want to tell you a story. What do you want to tell me a story about? I went on a little holiday to my favourite place in the world. This is the Maldives. It sounds very lovely. Have you been to the Maldives?
1: Ah uh, the very fact that I am currently just realizing I need to pull up a map where I was going to quietly type Maldives into it <laughs> on your steam powered keyboard there's no <laughs> quiet typing with you I was I was mentally thinking it was somewhere in in the Indian Ocean kind of and yeah. it
0: is sort of west of Sri Lanka west mm. of India a bit just little emeralds sprinkled in the
1: ocean and it's directly north of the British Indian Ocean territory
0: went to a went to a lovely Lovely island there, and had a week of niceness.
1: A week of blue ocean, if the photographs are anything to go by. Every time you sent me a photo, there was just, just perfect, perfect mm. crystal light blue water all around you.
0: Hashtag no filter. That is what <laughs> it looks like.
1: That is what it looks like. That's what you need to do now. You have to include hashtag no filter. Hmm, okay.
0: I did, I actually just went on Instagram yesterday. Like I've just started a new Instagram account yesterday. I think. I want to get. It, I want to get into Instagram.
1: Oh, you too, huh?
0: I like it. I just think it's a nicer platform. I've been enjoying doing uh, Audrey's Instagram, and I thought I'm going to go on there, so I've started one up and show me the love, people.
1: There you go. Follow Brady on Instagram, and yep. you do Audrey on Instagram too. Is that what I just caught? Aud-
0: Audrey's on Instagram, and mm-hmm. now and now I am too.
1: I, if you were going to follow one, follow Audrey. Uh huh.
0: Yeah. Of course. Because <laughs> uh, they're better. <laughs> so anyway. One of the really common things you find at these Maldivian islands are these water villas. That's that's A lot of people stay in them. They're like the nice thing to stay in. And for people who are unfamiliar with this concept, because these islands are so tiny, normally when you stay on one,
1: they build like a little jetty out to sea. I just want to understand here, you're staying on a private island? Is that, is that what the description is yeah, here? Mean, that oh, oh, Brady, Maldives- <laughs> Brady goes, I would like an untouched emerald. And they go out and they build you your own pier that you will then land upon? Is that what's happening? No,
0: but, but you see, be- what the way the Maldives works is because all these tiny little islands all around these atolls are so small, is it's not like you go to an island and there's like five hotels there and you choose the hotel you want. Mm-hmm. Basically, you choose an island and mm-hmm. there's just one place on that island and it will have... A couple of restaurants and uh, a gym and, you know, a a spa. But like usually the islands are the size of maybe two or three football fields. So what they do is they build these jetties, these piers out to sea. Mm -hmm. And then off these jetties comes a series of little mini jetties, each one with a little villa sitting above the sea, basically on on stilts, on pylons. Oh, okay.
1: Okay. I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about.
0: So you stay in a water villa, so you're you're above the sea at night, and this particular one we had had a um, like a partly glass floor, so you can look down at the sea and look at the fish, and you've got your own little um, platform veranda out the back with a little ladder that goes down into the sea, so you can go and swim with the fish, and it's all it's it's so lovely, it's so calm. So I've set the scene. We're staying in this water villa, and there's a series of water villas that come off this jetty, and I went. To the island, I went. I think I went to the gym. So to do it, to do a Fitatron five thousand meters on the treadmill counts double when you're on holiday. Exactly. So my wife stayed in the villa, and she went out onto the deck at the back of the villa to go and look at the sea. And I think she put her Beats headphones on and was listening to music. I came back, and my key had stopped working. Mm-hmm. I was banging on the door and the doorbell, and she couldn't hear me because she had the music on. So I looked at the villa next door. And the guy who was, like, cleaning the villas, who I knew because I'd spoken to him on previous days and asked him about things and, you know, asked him about the Maldives, we'd become friendly. Of course you did. And I said, oh, I've got a problem. I've locked myself out. So, he said, oh, I'll let you in. And he, he, was, he got his, like, master key out and was going to walk around and let me in. And I said, no, 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 I've got a better idea. Let me through this villa. So, he let me walk through the villa he was cleaning to their back ver- their back veranda area. And then I went down their ladder into the sea. And I swam across to our villa, the next villa, so I could then emerge from the sea and just come up the ladder and just appear before my wife, like, uh-huh. out of the water, like James Bond. I thought the only thing that would have made it cooler was if I'd, like, ripped off my clothes and I had a tuxedo underneath. <laughs> Surprise, here's your man. And she just looks at me and says, Well, I didn't see you go in the sea. And I said, I came from next door. I've been locked out and knocking on the door. And I swam here from the villa next door. And she went, Oh... I thought maybe you'd gone for a swim, and I hadn't noticed. I was so deflated. Like that was going to be like that was going to be like the story
1: that she would tell for years to come of the day her husband just emerged from the sea. And yeah. I feel like I'm mostly on your wife's side of remarkable unimpressedness because I'm looking actually at some satellite pictures of these of these villas. Like I've been I've been browsing around on Google while you're talking, and yeah, it looks like these things, these little houses on the sea, they can't be more than. 10 feet apart. So it's, well, it's not like it's just like <laughs> you are you're, you're trying to describe like like, like you're impre- like you're super impressive here like you swam across the open ocean, you know, <laughs> to the to, next island, <laughs> right? to the next island when you got <laughs> locked out, you know, and like blown well, across the ocean. Like but ac- but actually what you're talking about is you just got a little wet, barely moving any kind of distance. Like I looking at these photos, I who hates the ocean, who hasn't touched the ocean in a decade, possibly? I would feel completely comfortable swimming from one of these villas to the others if, if I got locked out. Yeah, it's like that's why I'm totally with your wife on
0: this, this one. This man. was not a great feat of swimming. I will I will grant. I will grant you that.
1: It's not we- even like some genius plan that you came up with. Like it's the obvious thing to do. No, this, it's the obvious thing is, to do. No, this is Greg. the Maldives equivalent of, of walking through your neighbor's backyard to get to your own house. Yeah, but that's what but this it, is. Yeah, it, it, it's So impressive. You've it, been building up this story <laughs> to me about, like, oh, Gray, you, you just can't wait. I have such a story to tell you about getting locked out of my hotel. And I'm sitting here, like, waiting for the story to happen. But I am ju- <laughs> just as unimpressed as your wife is.
0: Would you have been as comfortable doing this swim if the night before, when you were looking through your glass window, in the, in the floor, you had seen three, count them three, five foot long sharks swimming under your villa for 20 minutes.
1: This water, Brady, is crystal clear. You could, you could see sharks four miles, I'm sure. No, that's not, that's not true with,
0: with that's no. not true with sharks and fish, even when the water's clear. Literally when- miles. <laughs> That's not true. I, many times I'm swimming in the Maldives and suddenly, like, there's a shark, like a reef shark or something, right next to me that you couldn't see from from above. But anyway,
1: yeah, but reef shark, like, you're not going to get eaten by a reef shark. They just, you know, you just go, ooh, this there's the kind of thing to tell someone, ooh, I was there was a reef shark by me, but it's not going to, it's not going to eat you. This is, this is no great white shark. Grey, I think you're missing the point of the story. And I you, don't you, think you, I you, am.
0: <laughs> you, you actually. I think you're you missing act- the
1: point of your story.
0: No, you actually hit the point of the story without realising it was the point of the story. Mm-hmm. You actually said what I think the funny point of the story is. Uh-huh. This is this was not a great feat of athleticism, but the thing that I think is funny about this story is what you said that the that the Moldavian equivalent of going through your neighbor's backyard to get into the house mm-hmm.
1: involves swimming in the ocean. Mm-hmm. I think that's lovely. It is it, it lo- lovely, yes remotely impressive no well I again like looking at these satellite photos the very reason they're able to to build these houses where they are is because you're not over like the, like the continental shelf here with this water <laughs> this isn't water that goes down <laughs> forever you're you're on the top of an atoll like <laughs> it's just it's unimpressive in every way it can possibly be you can I I do swim out to the dark part where the
0: drop off goes because I because I love snorkeling and you swim along and it's all it's quite shallow and then you go to the drop off where it just plunges down into the dark blue and that is freaky when you swim to there like that that that's that's quite scary and I see how far I can swim out above that and
1: yeah that that that's yeah. a te- that's terrifying uh, that's having fun rolling the dice on your life right that's something I would not do uh, not under any circumstances not ever. Well, I'll agree with you there. Like that, that's why if you were telling me that these atolls are all in like a circle. And so if you're telling me you had, you know, swam across the the open abyss in the center to get to the other side, then I'd be like, now that's a man I am impressed by. Like, but this is just, it's nothing. It's nothing.
0: Well, if you can show me the text or the email or remind me of the conversation that happened where I said I did something incredibly impressive to get into a locked hotel room, I will apologise. My <laughs> recollection is that I had just a funny, light-hearted moment that happened when I locked myself out of a hotel, and because it did not involve putting my life at risk, it seems to be inadequate for the Halloween Internet podcast, and for that I apologise.
1: You've been travelling quite a bit. Uh yeah. You've travelled twice to the same place, Amsterdam. We didn't talk about it last time, but yes, I went 3 months ago and I was just recently in Amsterdam as well. Again, uh, and I just just came back uh yesterday or the day before yesterday. Uh, so I recently returned.
0: And you just go there and work. You just go there and sl- and stay in a hotel and sit on your computer basically. And and, and yet my swimming in the sea story
1: is too boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, well uh... <laughs> I wasn't about to tell you, oh, Brady, I have an amazing story about how I was on my computer. <laughs> I locked myself out of my room and went down to reception and they gave yeah. me a replacement card.
0: <laughs> why, do you, why do you do this, Greg? You, you, you have a perfectly serviceable apartment. You have a little office space as well in London. You have, you have all your little libraries and coffee shops and nooks and crannies you can work in. Is that not enough for you?
1: It isn't enough for me, Brady. That's true. I need I need more novelty in my life on occasion. <laughs> this is a thing that I have always done, is to take little breaks away from my normal routine. And n- now that I'm like self-employed and I'm on my own, it's, it's a situation of like, oh, I can actually take a break, not just when I have off from work, I can do it at any point. And so I found a place that I liked in Amsterdam. And yeah, so I went there... This, this most recent trip, I was there for two weeks, and everything about this experience I like because I went there with the intention of working, and it was just great it just narrows my focus. So it's like, I don't have to worry about a whole bunch of other stuff. Like I'm just there and I can concentrate on a few things. Like I can concentrate on the Fitatron lifestyle, of course. And <laughs> I can concentrate on some work that had been on my mind for a while that I was trying to complete and finish and concentrate on writing. And like, that's it. Like life is very simple. It's very straightforward. And I, I really, I really benefit from doing this on occasion. So I did it recently.
0: I, I don't- I I think it's weird, but- does,
1: why, do you, why do you think it's weird? I know why you think it's weird. You think it's weird because you're a workaholic who's able to just work all the time at any time with no problems whatsoever. That's you, Brady. You're the machine in this relationship, really. You're always able to crank out stuff.
0: No, that's not true. And home has its distractions, like the knocking on the door and the things of life. But also home has all the things I need. And like, mm. if I go away, I- inevitably will not have some things I need. But I, I don't know. I guess I'd have to travel so much anyway that
1: unnecessary travel like <laughs> does not appeal to me. Um You mean unnecessary work travel. Like that's that's the difference here. Because you just did unnecessary unnecessary travel to the Maldives. Yeah. But that was but, a vacation.
0: Well here's the key difference there. I did that with my wife. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I find strange about it is that you go away on your own mm-hmm. but i know i know you're an introvert and all this sort of stuff but
1: my wife has to work and she's also happy to have me out of the house for a little while that's how relationships work you know you got to be on the same page about this kind of stuff
0: yeah yeah i know she's cool with it but um uh, i'm i'm know, i'm happy for you and you, you make you just sit around the hotel do you? you don't go like to anne frank's house and you know walk the canals and stuff do you just sit and sit at your computer or
1: <laughs> so i actually happened to uh when I started this trip, I happened to install a new app on my phone, which does uh, like automatic location tracking and tries to build a little report of what you've been up to, which I thought like, oh, this is interesting. Let me try this thing. And uh, according to that, I left the hotel aside from Fitatron lifestyle runs, which I was doing, Uh, but excluding those in 14 days, I left the hotel three days. Really? (laughs) Uh, one of them was to meet up with a friend who came up to visit me for the final day of the trip. But mostly it was, yeah, I just I just stay in, in the hotel. The downside of this, though, is that the hotel staff get to know me way too well. Mm. While I want to just be this anonymous person in the hotel, I also have like picky requests with food or the way thing, I want things done. And so I'm immediately identified and recognizable by all of the staff. One of the times that I went out was to was to fix a problem because I was originally only supposed to be in Amsterdam for a week and I ended up extending the trip longer for a week but because I only thought I was going to be there for a week I did not bring shaving supplies and I had arrived slightly scruffy and I, I thought like oh but I'll be leaving at the end of the week it's 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 no big deal but then when I extended it longer I realized around day 10 that Okay. All of the hotel staff know exactly who I am. I am this also this guy who's like clearly not wanting to talk to anybody and is super picky and is now also becoming like extremely scraggly looking. (laughs) And I I realized like, okay, I am falling into like a Howard Hughes type situation here in like Uh. the minds of this hotel staff. (laughs) You know how you just have this feeling like, I think the perception of me is suddenly changing. They're beginning to wonder if when I check out, they're going to find bottles of pee in the hotel room stashed away or something. One of the reasons I went outside at one point was solely to get shaving equipment. Not because <laughs> I wanted to shave, but because I felt this, this like responsibility to give some kind of indication to the hotel staff. Like, don't worry, don't worry. I'm still a normal person who is able to take care of himself. I am not just a weirdo who has checked into this hotel and is going to end up living here, but looking like a homeless person in his hoodie, unshaven and scruffy. So, I, I have never, ever shaved more thoroughly or more carefully than I did at about day 10 in that, 12, uh, in that hotel. Because I thought, I need to look... So well put together, I need to not be coming out with, like, cuts all over my face because I've done this (laughs) wrong. And I swear, I swear to you, Brady, the staff in the restaurant and everywhere else did stop treating me like maybe this guy's a little weird, like, after I had (laughs) shaved this totally did in their minds reset the clock to like oh okay he's a person who can take care of himself he's not just a freak who's going to live here indefinitely
0: that was your james bond moment when you came down the lobby stairs in your tux all clean-shaven and all the all the waitresses <laughs> turned their head and went wow i had no idea who's that guy that's the guy with the beard that was on omnifocus that is not it is it's the same guy ah oh, he looks amazing now <laughs> let me ask you this though amsterdam You know, it's one of the great cities of Europe, and as such, it is therefore not a cheap city to go to. If you want to stay in a nice hotel, and pretty much stay in a hotel most of the time, why go to a city as expensive as Amsterdam? Why not find a luxurious hotel in some remote location where you can get more, a nicer hotel for your money?
1: Okay, so Brady, the thing is, I didn't go to Amsterdam... The first time because I thought, oh, I want to go to Amsterdam. Like this is a city that I want to go to. No, I did this the exact reverse way, which is I was trying to find a hotel that I would want to spend a significant amount of time in. And I didn't care where in the world it was. So I was trying to find a place that looked like a place that I want to stay. And the number one thing, the number one thing that I cannot stand with most hotels is that they're just so fancy, especially European hotels, where they have like, All of this French 17th century furniture looking stuff and they cramp up the rooms with everything. I I just, I cannot stand that kind of thing in a hotel. Like I would, I wouldn't want to stay in that sort of hotel because it's just mentally cluttering. It's just overwhelming. So what I was really doing is I was looking all over the continent of Europe, trying to find hotels that were relatively minimalistic. And that's right. that was actually my primary thing. And the fact that it was in Amsterdam, that was just a secondary effect. It could have been anywhere and I would have I would have traveled to it.
0: Amsterdam is quite
1: close, which is handy as well, I guess. It's like, it's not a long flight. Do you fly there or No, no, I fly? took the, I took the train out. I took the train out. I thought like, I'll do do this the nice way, so I spent like a day traveling out on the train, right. spend a while at the hotel, and then I took the train back. So what do good.
0: you do? You get the Eurostar to Paris and change or what Brussels? Uh,
1: or yeah, it's Eurostar to Brussels. And then Brussels mm. to Amsterdam. Hmm. Brussels, which is one of the ugliest train stations I've ever seen. Brussels is horrible.
0: Hmm. Nice one. So, for a lot of people listening, I think Amsterdam is famous for its tolerance of activities that would be illegal in many other places. Mm-hmm. And and you are obviously, like, one of the squarest people I know. So, do you, do you ever wander around and sort of- experience well not experience but you know experience the city and look at all that stuff going on and think wow this is cool or do you sort of how do you how do you feel about that side of things because if we don't talk about it everyone's going to comment on it
1: turns out you can't go to amsterdam on your own without your wife for an extended period of time without people making a lot of assumptions about the nature of the trip Yes. And no matter how much you try to talk people out of it, they're just not going to believe it. This is this okay. is the thing that I have come across. But right. as I think we've discussed before on the show, like, I'm actually quite boring. Like, I'm not a person who has done any illegal substances. I would never have guessed. You would not have guessed?
0: No. <laughs> so, you've decided enough of that and now you're just going to go
1: crazy in your later years or? <laughs> no, that's not it. So, I... <laughs> I am still I am still boring in that way. Also, some of the other services that Amsterdam makes available, uh, I have not partaken in those services either. But no. I, I think it is great that a place like Amsterdam exists. I am so on the side of, like, if you, if grown-ups want to do something and they are consenting or they are not hurting anybody else, like, I am very much on the side of, like, obviously that should be legal that's that's my position and i like i actually i quite like being in a place where stuff that to me seems like obviously this shouldn't be illegal i'm kind of happy to be in a place where it's allowed even if i am not partaking in any of it it just it just feels quite reasonable even though i am totally on board with them being legal it is kind of weird nonetheless sometimes to turn a corner and find yourself quite literally face to face with this like even yeah. though I'm totally on board with it, sometimes I did find it quite surprising. On the occasions I was walking around, or even just sort of by the hotel, like go outside and turn the corner, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I am literally feet away from someone selling the Amsterdam specialties, and also I realized like, wow. The actual buying and selling of these services, that seems to me quite socially awkward. You're talking about the
0: the physical services, not the chemical
1: services. Yes, the physical services, not the chemical services, because there are children in the room, of course, so we have to talk in, in broad terms. But yes, it's a little weird to look one of those vendors in the eye, like at, at close range, Uh, unexpectedly it's like oh
0: do you ever and this is not a this is not a seedy question because this is one Mm -hmm. of the main tourist things of Amsterdam do you ever walk through like the the bespoke area of Amsterdam that is uh, more red in its illumination (laughs) the red light district Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I don't know what we're I don't know what we're saying. Now you've reminded me of all the little people listening. But um that is that's one of the most interesting things to do in Amsterdam and I can assure you there are about 4000 tourists for every one person who is actually there trying to partake
1: in those services. Whereas my feeling was mostly just like, well, this is very strange. Like I'm again, I'm glad this thing exists, but it's kind of weird that it does. I'm always surprised that it's quite uh
0: like it's quite a beautiful area, isn't it? The little little yeah, little laneways is. and canals, and th- the complete foreignness of what's happening obviously makes it quite a bit a bit disorienting. But uh, you know, obviously, it's really a strange thing to see, sort of a glass door, and there's a, a lady there mm-hmm. wanting to uh, do business. Think of the children, Brady. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 but, uh, but I certainly yeah. It's, cert- it's certainly very different. It's certainly a very exotic and interesting place. and uh, But also a good place for business, obviously, for B-
1: Gray's business. Yeah, definitely and, is. Uh, I got, a lot, got a lot of work done. Got a lot of things done. Very happy. Very happy. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, who has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. You can get a free 30-day trial today by going to audible.com slash hellointernet. As always, Audible wants us to recommend to you a book to listen to. And this time I'm reaching into the classic archive of books that I have liked to bring you Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. It's a classic science fiction book that was written at a bit of the dawn of the internet age in the early 90s, but that I reread recently and still holds up marvelously. As always with these things, I don't want to spoil any of the plot for you. So if you trust me, this is just a recommendation that I'm passing on. Though I will say the book has one of my favorite lines ever about companies. We'll just say that companies play a large role in this book. And that line is, the franchise and the virus work on the same principle. What thrives in one place will thrive in another. You just have to find a sufficiently virulent business plan, condense it into a three ring binder, its DNA, Xerox it, and embed it in the fertile lining of a well traveled highway, preferably one with a left turn lane. Then its growth will expand until it runs up against its property lines. That's a hell of a paragraph. I just love that. And I think about that every time I see franchises along the highway. That's what a good book can do. It can plant a thought in your mind forever. So that's my recommendation today. Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. So of course, Audible has books on absolutely everything in every genre you can possibly imagine. And what I really like is if you start a book and you don't like it, you can just return it, no questions asked. It's very easy. It makes getting into a new book a no risk proposition. So once again, go to audible.com slash hello internet and start your free audible trial today and thanks to audible for supporting the show
0: you were saying before the show that we should talk at length about gun germs and steel no no we're not going
1: to talk about (laughs) gun germs and steel today. we've had a lot of feedback we have had a lot of feedback, but I need to I need to load it all in my brain to be able to talk about the whole thing. <laughs> I can't talk about this now. <laughs> Don't worry, Brady, because I know I know there's nothing you love more than really picky, detailed follow-up right, about a topic that you're not super interested in. Okay. Don't worry, we'll get to it at some point, but not today. Not today. One
0: per, one person wrote a response that I saw, and I think their response was longer than the book.
1: Yeah, there 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 have been many many comments. We will talk about. at some point you're not going to draw me into it now (laughs) i can tell what you're trying to do honestly gray (laughs) i cannot
0: draw you into it because i have not uh, i have not processed it and read it like i you know i i flip i i skim read the reddit when it was early days but i sort of i didn't understand most of it yeah Uh, we'll get back to it later (laughs) okay let's get to what you really love which is the bi-weekly weigh-in bi-weekly weigh-in which is
1: more like a Try monthly discussion <laughs> yes that's why i was saying today we have to do the bi-weekly weigh-in because we haven't done it in i can't quite remember how long the last time we did it i just remember saying i'd gained a bunch of weight from christmas yeah and i think you hadn't weighed yourself then but then you told me today that you haven't weighed yourself again so no. how long has it been since you weighed yourself man uh i don't know <laughs> how would i know that i don't know don't you have a spreadsheet you haven't been keeping a spreadsheet I haven't been keeping a
0: spreadsheet and I haven't actually been running for the last couple of weeks either for a few reasons. So, oh, the only yeah. reason I opened the spreadsheet is to put my running times in and I have not been running either. So, I'm basically rubbish, he said, as he, re- as he reached for another Skittle and sip of Dr Pepper. You reach for a single Skittle? I can't eat lots of Skittles when we're doing the podcast because they'd fill up my mouth, but I can, I can sneakily get one in occasionally. Is that what you do when we're recording? You're sneaking Skittles into your mouth? No, not normally, but I've got a pack here at the moment. Yeah.
1: Here they are. That sounds like a pretty big pack. One of those jumbo packs of Skittles. Yeah. Limited edition dark side Skittles. Ooh. So I've gone for the dark side. Skittles. Not officially part of the fitatron lifestyle. That's why they're dark side Skittles. Right.
0: <laughs> oh, I just dropped them. Oh. oh, they're all over the floor. They're all over the floor. Oh, no. Oh, you dark side Skittles. Oh. <laughs> Oh, I'll have to make sure I pick them up before Audrey gets back.
1: Oh, they're everywhere, Gray. <laughs> I
0: bet they are. <laughs> oh, it's like a big rainbow carpet. <laughs> oh.
1: I think those are the Fitatron gods punishing you. <laughs> oh. oh, no. That's great because they're too big to vacuum up as well. You're just going to have to pick them all up. <laughs> oh, no.
0: Oh, it's messing with my head now. I still hear you eating them, though. I still hear you shoving them into your mouth. I just put one in. (laughs) Oh, now my fingers are all sticky from picking them up. (laughs) It's all going wrong. (sighs) great. Uh, Anyway, so while I pick up Skittles, why don't you tell people, uh, you know, what your weight
1: is and all that sort of stuff? Are you seriously going to try to be picking up Skittles while we're doing this podcast? Yep. No, you can't do this. I'm doing it now. No, you can't do this, man. Oh, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I bet they are. I've picked a lot of them up now. Um, okay, go on. What do you weigh? How you doing? Uh, for our bi-weekly weigh-in, theoretically, this is the week that I get to say that I am finally at my goal of being under 200 pounds. Well done. Thank you. Well I am... Done. Super excited about that. Uh, just barely. Uh, I weighed myself this morning and I am 199.5, which is still within a rounding error of 200. But I'm yeah. totally going to count that. I'm totally nice. going to count that. Nice one. And what? Did, how did you celebrate? Did you go to five guys and pick up? <laughs> okay, so actually I, I did have a celebration. So we were talking before I was at Amsterdam, right? And one one of the other things is like being in Amsterdam, being in that hotel, one of the other things that's really easy to do was like, okay, well, I'm not at home. I don't have the refrigerator like in my room or anything. There's limited food selections there. So while I was in Amsterdam, I was super focused on doing the like the no carb diet thing. And just like, I am not eating any carbohydrates while I'm here. I can focus on this. I I can keep really, really intense with it. And so... I I didn't eat any carbs and that was partly why I lost about um about 2 or 3 pounds uh, each week that I was there. Wow. And but the thing was I knew uh, as soon as I'd been there for a week I thought you know what if I keep this up I could just get under 200 pounds. And wow. my my goal and my my mental reward here was that I knew that I had this friend visiting on the final day and I thought oh this is great. If if I can get under 200 pounds by the time he arrives, then I will allow myself to not be a picky little person when we're going out and we're eating. If I can get under 200, I will allow myself to just have like a normal day of going out with a friend and like eating at restaurants and just not being super picky. Cool. And so on the final day, when my friend came to visit, we went out to this amazing, amazing omelette place, which is actually just by the Amsterdam uh, Central Station. And I had a croissant with scrambled eggs and cheese. And I swear to God, it was one of the most delicious things I had ever eaten. Like, it, was, <laughs> it was the first bread that I had had in two weeks. You're like, keep your red light district, I'm going to the omelette district. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was astounding. It was like, this croissant with these scrambled eggs is the best food I have ever eaten in my whole life. So that was kind of my celebration. And it was after two weeks, well, actually really... A few days of every time uh the hotel staff when i'd get breakfast there they'd bring over like muffins and bread and every morning i'd be like oh no i don't i don't even want the muffins on my table i don't want the bread on my table and eventually they all learned that i was the weird guy who didn't want bread with anything (laughs) (laughs) or like whenever you order coffee in the hotel it comes with some cookies and i'd have to keep telling them like oh no i don't want any cookies with this and then eventually they just learned and brought me all the stuff without anything but yeah so that was my celebration
0: what now, Gray? What 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 next? Like, do you look
1: at? Do you look now and weep because there are no more weights to conquer? In my mind, I kind of thought that by the time I was under two hundred, like everything would be amazing, and I would be some kind of super Adonis. But actually, you look in the mirror and I realize, like, oh, what I've really done is now I'm just a normal person who could still go with losing a few more pounds. Like that's right. actually what it is. But I think for prior to getting here, I had imagined that this was like the final end state. So, right. so now I think I realized like, I still, I still wanna lose maybe five more pounds and give myself a little bit of a buffer to never be over 200 again. So 195 is the new target? I think 195 is the new target. It might take me a long time to get there, but I, I I think I'd feel a lot more comfortable having a buffer because if I can, I really never want to be over 200 again. But uh, yeah, I feel like a normal person, uh, and I realized I was looking through some of my data uh, before, and I realized that I am now 30 pounds lighter than I was at my absolute fattest, which was nice. about two years ago.
0: Nice work.
1: Yeah. So did
0: you did you get Because your wife hadn't seen you for a while, when you got back from Amsterdam, did she, like, notice a difference and say, wow, you look awesome?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Which was very satisfying, yeah. Yeah. She noticed right away when I came home. There was a big, like, holy cow, you look like a different person, followed by the very satisfying, you should go to Amsterdam more often. Hi
0: everyone, it's time for another one of our sponsorship reads, and this one's a little bit different for me, because I'm currently standing at the top of a hill overlooking all of San Francisco and the Bay Area. It's quite the sight, the Golden Gate Bridge is right in front of me, and out to my left, stretching away, is the direction of Silicon Valley. And it's here in San Francisco, this place of technology, that our mind must go to the thing that underpins all of our data-led lives, and that is Backup. You guessed it, I'm here to talk about Backblaze, the place to go for online backup. I use Backblaze and I cannot tell you how much peace of mind it gives me. It's just installed on my computer, it's whirring away in the background, continually backing up everything to the cloud. They've got a really cool interface, it's really easy to use. Some ridiculous amount of data, I think it's like 150 petabytes, has been stored on the Backblaze servers, which I think aren't that far away from where I'm talking to you at the moment. So in a funny way, I guess I've kind of come all the way from England to be closer to my backed up data. Now, if you lose something on your computer and it happens, it could just be a single file. You can really easily go to Backblaze and just have it restored. Or if the worst happens and you have a catastrophe, you can recover all that data. Not just through the web, but you can also contact Backblaze and they'll send it to you on a hard drive, which I can imagine would be somewhat quicker than trying to do it through the internet pipes. It's also really cheap, $5 a month per computer. So you can have it running on your main one, on your laptop, on your wife's, on your husband's, on your boyfriend's, on your girlfriend's, on your relatives. In fact, I should probably get it on my mum's computer. I can't imagine how upset she'll be if she ever loses all her photos. Now, if you want to check them out, go to backblaze.com slash internet if you put the slash Hello Internet, they'll know you came from here. Now you can give them a trial, no credit card required. Get Backblaze running, see how easy it is, see how much peace of mind it gives you, and I feel really confident you're likely to sign on for the real deal. Well, I've just come back inside, and unbelievably, while I was outside recording that, I've had a tweet and it says, Thank you, Hello Internet FM, for making me get Backblaze, which has just saved my brackets vegetarian. Bacon. So, literally, while I was telling you to make sure you're protected, one of our listeners has had their digital life saved by Backblaze. So, I think if people are listening contemporaneously, Mm -hmm. the thing that they expect us to be talking about is the YouTube kerfuffle involving the- film creators known as the Fine Brothers, Fine yeah. Bros, Fine Bros, I don't know what you call them. Yeah, you you, expl- you explain yeah. what happened, Greg, because this is a- I'd be interested to hear your explanation of the controversy.
1: For anyone listening to the podcast, when it goes up, like I have seen an enormous number of people asking us to comment on the Fine Brothers gate Apocalypse, like whatever you want to put it, <laughs> however you want to- like what suffix you want to affix to this- uh, this this big thing that has happened. And I think perhaps for people who are unfamiliar with what we're about to talk about, talk about, maybe the, the shortest way to describe the, the facts of the situation is that the Fine Brothers uh, run a very popular YouTube channel, uh, which uh, before all of this happened, had something like 14 million subscribers. And they put out uh, a video which was aiming to discuss a new licensing program that they wanted to put in place. And then the internet reacted very badly to this video of theirs that they put out. They made an update video and the update video made the whole situation even worse. And it kind of exploded into a massive, massive kind of internet fight over copyright and trademarks and ownership of things and how to make videos for large groups of people and the value of the work of the Fine Brothers. Like it spilled over into just everything possible and was, I mean, I'm going to say probably one of the biggest like internet explosions i have seen in a long long time like it was just constantly on the front page of sites like reddit it was all over twitter it was just this big big explosion that connected to a whole bunch of stuff
0: i don't think you've done a brilliant job well i think you have very accurately given an overview but i think you've gone a bit too overview there to really be much use to people Fine Brothers, as Gray said, very, very popular YouTubers, way way bigger than, you know, way bigger than us, leagues above us. They've become they're they're a huge big thing. Like 10x the size of our channel. Huge guys. One of the formats that they make, which has sort of been their big format that they've become really famous for is this series of videos about reactions. It's become a genre of videos, this React format. They've got one called Kids React. They've got one called Elders React, which is older Mm -hmm. people. And they'll basically show them viral videos or objects or things, and they'll just film these people's reactions to them. They'll interview them about it. And it's a pretty banal thing when you think about it. But they make them very well, and they've become hugely, hugely popular. Now... I think it would, It seems to be the case that, to me, I'm editorialising a bit now, that these people are feeling a bit proprietorial about this format. And although they most certainly did not invent the idea of people reacting to things or filming people to react to things, I think because they had made it quite popular, they felt a degree of ownership of it. And they announced to the world that they were going to license to people the ability to make React videos, so you could make a video just like theirs, and they will take some of your money and they will help you make that make these videos. And once they announced this, which seemed kind of odd to a lot of people, people started scratching a little bit below the surface, and it and it was realized that the fine brothers had in fact trademarked the names of some of their series and they had also trademarked just the word react in this in this context and it seemed to be the case that they were now going to attempt to own the whole genre of reaction videos and in fact other people started saying they've taken down all my reaction videos and there and there was an active campaign by someone associated with them to take down videos that were about reactions and at this point, the internet turned on them. Uh, I mean, you say it was a huge, big thing. It was certainly big on Reddit and in certain spheres, and it certainly affected them. They sort of did a half climb down and sort of apologized and made this apology, me a culpa video, which was not very successful, didn't go down well, and wasn't good. It wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that made things much, much worse for them. And then a couple of days later, they did a complete climb down as they were hemorrhaging subscribers and everyone was, even some of their sort of friends were saying they haven't done very well here. They did a complete climb down and said, we're sorry, we're, we're releasing all our trademarks on the word react. We're releasing all our trademarks, even on the ones that we do. Uh, we're ending this whole idea of licensing videos. And they went back into their shell, completely beaten to death by the internet. Now, uh, one of the people who beat them (laughs) with a stick was our good friend CGP Grey. Uh, What do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about, Brady. (laughs) Grey was like, obviously people were writing blogs and making videos and really getting stuck into these guys. And Grey made a sort of a satirical jokey video that I'm sure most of you have seen where he pretended that he was going to trademark stick figures, which he uses in his videos, and anyone else who ever wanted to use stick figures would have to license from him. And it was a rather rather sarcastic video, and it was done in a, a way that kind of parodied uh, and satired the the original things that the Fine Brothers were doing. So Grey was one of the people in, in the, the mob that <laughs> yeah. publicly shamed the Fine Brothers away from their position.
1: It has been very interesting. Like I have been talking to a lot of people in the business about this, like because the the phrase that I keep using to describe what happened to everyone I talk to about this is perfect storm. This thing exploded into a big conversation because it, it just like it hit all of the like the trigger points that it possibly could to make this explode into a big thing. What are some of those? Well, one of those is is even in in your own description. I think a thing that is is very tricky about this is in the in the first video that the Fine Brothers made. You know, I came to this very late. I saw both videos at the same time because I I was just you know, minding my own business. Uh, you know, not on the internet very much, and just happened to accidentally come across this thing. But in the first video that they made, they explained what they were doing kind of poorly because I watched that video and I thought, wow, okay, one, this is horribly made. I don't think it's a very good video, but as someone who works in the field of intellectual property, right? Like my business is built on intellectual property. I watched the thing and I thought, oh, okay, they're, they're doing, they want to do licensing deals, right? This is this is what they want to do. They want to license the Fine Brothers name, or they want to license the particular assets they use to make their videos to other people to use to create, you know, sub channels. And they, and they themselves use an example like, you know, America's Got Talent and Britain's Got Talent, right? That this is a common thing in the entertainment industry to do. Yeah, It's yeah. it's not, it's not unremarkable.
0: No, it would be, it would be certainly a new thing to do it on YouTube and just have anyone in their bedroom starting to license video genres. But someone's got to do it first, I guess.
1: Yeah, doing it on YouTube is a, is a slightly different thing, but it is, it is by no means like some kind of outrageous thing to do right it's yeah. it's exactly the kind of thing that a media company would do if they have a successful property because that's what media companies do yeah and so so i'm watching i'm like oh okay well you know what this is whatever about this but the but the problem that happened was that as the video went on they were talking about other people like using their format or like making similar videos to them and asking their audience to kind of boycott people who are infringing on their intellectual property rights. And that's to me where it it flipped over into this perfect storm, because then there is this like misunderstanding that the Fine Brothers are claiming ownership of all kinds of React videos, which I, I don't think was their intention in the original video. But it's like, man, if you guys make a video and you put it out to 14 million subscribers... The vast majority of of your viewers, they don't have a clear understanding of the difference between copyright, trademark, and licensing and branding deals. Like you can't expect them to understand the distinction of these things because they're really complicated things. And even as someone who works in this field, like you have to think about it sometimes like, okay, what are the difference between these different things? And so I think like that was one of the things that made it like a perfect storm is because Tons of people make React videos because, frankly, they're very easy to make. Hmm. And so, then this video ends up kind of unintentionally sounding like the Fine Brothers are, are going to own all reaction videos. And I, I just, I don't think that was that their intention from the first video, but it sure as hell sounded like it.
0: I disagree with you. I disagree with you, Gray. Okay, I think it was I think, it, I think it was their intention. They trademarked the word React on its own. Yeah, they did. They didn't say that at the time. Yeah, yeah. But they had done it, and let me tell you something else. Mm. Let me take you back in time to April 2014. Okay. I made a video, mm-hmm. a reaction video, which was basically a. It was really a parody of reaction videos. You know, you know how I make those parodies of calculator, unbox- I make unboxing parodies where people open calculator boxes, <laughs> yeah, I do which like is like my, my, my comment on the silliness of unboxing videos. I made a reaction video, the same thing. Mm-hmm. I got a bunch of uh, the professors in my videos to play the game 2048
1: Oh, I remember like, this one. Well, remember yeah, this that one. was
0: that was the very zeitgeisty game. Don't all start sending me messages about how threes is better. I know threes <laughs> I was is better. Just
1: about to say threes I, is way better. I <laughs> you know, know threes play is better. Threes,
0: threes <laughs> is the one that I play, but twenty forty eight is twenty forty eight was the zeitgeisty thing that week, and that's what we did. I yeah, know threes that that is one better. has
1: the mind share. That one has the mind share.
0: Anyway, so I made that. I made that video. I received an email from the Fine Brothers. Now, I I am not one for sharing emails that are sent to me by people because I just think they're correspondence between people. But I, I, this does not feel like a very personal email to me. They didn't know who I was. They didn't use my name, mm-hmm. uh, so it was clearly a it was clearly quite a generic email. Uh, and in it, they were pretty much warning me off starting a professor's React series in 2014. They they were really, really they were really polite and nice. Uh, and part of it said, "We saw your video. We thought it was we thought it was really cool. You know, we assumed this was a one off, but are hoping the plan isn't to start doing things like this all the time, calling things blank react to, and playing games or watching videos like our company does." Hmm. Uh, they then held out, and they were obviously already thinking about this licensing thing because they they then talk about. Um, maybe there's a way we could work on something like this together, but it would be difficult with the distance, but we could maybe start talking about it. But and then they start talking about, but in the spirit of the YouTube uh, community, we're hoping that this is just a one-off and you're not planning to do more of it. So this was, this was two years before I made one mm. reaction video and I was basically been told, don't you shouldn't do it again it would be against the spirit of youtube we hope you're not planning to make more of them like our company our company does so um
1: i think i think they were thinking about this then you know yeah i mean yeah that 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 doesn't that doesn't look good
0: <laughs> um i but i've i don't know these guys by the way and i think you know they obviously make good videos i saw them gave a talk once at vidcon and, but you know i have no uh
1: yeah, yeah, we should. We should. Say it's. I mean, it's. A, it's a funny position to be in because, as well, like, I don't. I don't know the Fine Brothers. I, no. I don't watch their videos, but it's a thing where, like, the Fine Brothers know lots of people because they have a a whole channel that's like whatever, or the whole series which just YouTubers react. Yeah, they're very that's they're like,
0: very well connected in the YouTube community.
1: Yeah, they're very well connected people. Um, yeah. but I I do not know them. I am not familiar with their work. Yeah, uh, very much. But yeah, I guess. Part of the, the stories that were going around at the time, and I can't say, I, like, I didn't go in and, and verify them, but apparently they had some spat with, like, TV channels that were doing people reacting to stuff. So, like, I think they they clearly had some sense of propriety over the idea of React channels that or React videos that was out of scope with reality.
0: Yeah, that that's what happened. I think they they made something very good and very successful, and and it continued to be successful. And I think they suddenly thought. I think they got yeah they got they got a bit carried away with how much it was theirs. I think they also forgot that it was not a
1: new thing. Yeah, I mean, okay, so like to to, to go into the details of this for a second though, when I when I was watching this thing and they're talking about licensing and trademarks, so. This thing comes up every once in a while, where you hear that a company is trying to trademark a word. This time, it happens to be the Fine Brothers and React, but this kind of thing comes up on the internet every once in a while when when mm. companies do this.
0: Sony tried to trademark Let's Play, didn't they?
1: Yeah, I think they did. So, I mean, one of the things with, with trademarks that people need to understand is that trademarks are relatively narrow. And of the three kinds of intellectual property, copyrights, patents, and trademarks, I think that trademarks are the least problematic of any of them, because the idea of trademark is it's supposed to be you, you as a consumer, by seeing these words in this circumstance, know that this company is the one behind it. This is like this is the whole idea, like Coca-Cola, right? Like you you can make soda, but you can't call it Coca-Cola because that is a trademark to let you know that the Coca-Cola company has made this thing. Like this is the purpose of trademarks. And when people apply for trademarks, you have to specify where and how those trademarks are going to be used. And the thing that's funny about this whole Fine Brothers thing is it's like it, it blew up over trademarks, but it's like, I have a trademark And I, that very morning, this Fine Brothers thing occurred. I had actually used a trademark. I had enforced a trademark to gain control of like a URL squatter, basically. Mm -hmm. And like this is this is what trademarks are for. To like, you can't have someone represent themselves as you or your company if you have a trademark. Like this is. But presumably, your trademark is your name. Yeah, well, that's, that's the super yeah. weird thing, right? Like, yeah. I have trademarked CGP Grey, which is just a very funny yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, it was, and, th- and that's what I was using. It's like someone else was, was using CGP Grey, and it's like, okay, that's nobody else's name. Like, I have trademarked this thing. You yeah. can't represent yourself on the internet in this way. So when people talk about like they were trying to trademark the word React, I would be shocked if that trademark was actually granted. And even if it was granted, if it was enforceable, because it's just, it's too broad, it's too generic. And like, there's no way they were gonna be able to take down everybody's videos that were using the word react. But
0: apparently they were gray, because obviously the draconian way that the YouTube system works and YouTube's fear of running into legal problems is they kind of err on the side of caution and if someone says, oh, I own the trademark on that word, they kind of take down first and ask questions later. And a yes. lot of React stuff apparently, I don't know, they didn't, they didn't take down my video two years ago, by the way. They made no attempt, as far as I know, they made no attempt to take it down. Um, so I'm not saying they tried to take mine down. But a lot of other people on the internet more recently have been saying they have had problems with it. I don't know if it's true. Uh, but a lot of people were saying it, and and they've acknowledged it because they they have said, "Oh, we're trying to undo those." Uh, they said we had nothing to do with it. I think they said it was their their multi-channel network that did it on their behalf, and they said they were trying to undo that mess now. But um, so it does seem that it was happening.
1: So I mean, this is again why I think partly this this blew up into this this big thing is because there's a lot of frustrations that people have with the whole way that YouTube. Deals with intellectual property and and enforcement, and yes, there there is a bit of a like take down first, ask questions later uh, policy that YouTube has. Hmm. But but one of the things um one of the things that I was was just astounded by is that that Hank Green wrote an article which was talking about explaining the the, the whole controversy which he put up on Medium, which I'll link to. Uh, but there's one line in there which was astounding to me where he said that that YouTube apparently gives some creators, some of the big creators, the power to, on their own, without oversight, take down other people's videos. Which is amazing to me. And I think maybe that's what's happening, or or that's what had happened with some of these people saying, like, the Fine Brothers were able to just take down my video, is that, like, the Fine Brothers, it sounds from this, were one of those people who had the ability to just, like, press a button and nuke someone's video off off of the YouTube platform. And I just... I cannot believe that this is this is part of YouTube system, and it just it it's like fuel on the fire. Uh, so, like I'm not sure if they were you know properly enforcing trademarks or what, but it seems like they were able to take down videos that they thought and they felt were just too close to what they were doing, and it's that's just bad. It's just really bad to well, do.
0: I don't want to come to your I don't want to come to your video yet, right? I want to ask you separately about your video that you made on this issue in a couple of minutes. But the funny thing is the way we've been discussing it so far you almost sound more sympathetic to them than than I do and I actually do feel a little bit sympathetic towards them <laughs> so it's kind of this conversation has gone differently to what I expected because I have I I actually uh, I feel I feel a bit sorry for them in some ways but talk you you're talking like you think they had pure motives and it just came out wrong and i actually don't believe that i think they were getting a bit greedy and they got caught with their fingers in the cookie jar mm-hmm. they got disproportionately slapped around because of it mm. we can discuss whether it was disproportionate in a minute they certainly got slapped around very hard because of it mm-hmm. and and they climbed down from this position either because they changed their mind or it was going to it was starting to have uh Serious business implications for them. I don't know which, but they certainly climbed down. And you seem to be saying, "Ah, oh, they just didn't communicate it very clearly, and therefore they got in trouble." I think they were doing a bit of smoke and mirrors and making it sound like a great opportunity for everyone, when really they were trying to take ownership of something that I'm not entirely convinced they had the right to take ownership of, and they were and they were getting dollar signs in their eyes.
1: Yeah, I think there is. There's no argument about them owning the idea of react videos. Like there's, there's clear prior art. There's, there's no, there's no universe in which they own the idea of react videos. Just, just without, a without a, uh, yeah. without a doubt. The question is of this whole idea of like licensing what they do in particular. Like, that, I think that's a very different question. And,
0: yeah, great. They were clearly trying to set up this licensing program. But I think it was running in parallel with a more concerted campaign to stop other people making reaction videos. I think that was happening in parallel. They weren't mm. talking about that so much because that's not such a nice thing to talk about in a right. positive let's do it together video. But that was clearly happening at the exact same time. These two things were happening in concert.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe I guess this is this is the exact conversation that I've been having with with many people where they're like why aren't you more angry about this? Like aren't you the guy who made some videos like super angry about this? and and I do feel like my my opinion on this is is largely like their their trademarks would have been just unenforceable anyway. like like what it like the the worst case scenario here is that they would have gotten some trademark, but it it would never have held up. you know the idea of trademarking the word react just 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 like every other company that tries to trademark a single word, it just never holds up or it never gets accepted because it's just too broad. it's too it's not specific enough, right? It's not like you're trademarking mountain dew at when you are selling sodas, right? It's just it's just not specific enough. So that that's yeah, why but, I right, think right,
0: like it's not the trademark that it's it's more what it, it's more the intent it signals. It's more the intent that we're getting you know, mate it was they were they were trying to create uh an arsenal of weapons that would help them stop other people, make react videos. And a trademark is one of the uh, arrows in your quiver and whether or not that arrow was successful or got, got taken out of the quiver doesn't matter, it shows what they were doing another thing that shows what they were doing are these takedowns, another thing that shows what they were doing is maybe emails like the one I alluded to before uh, they were, you know, this was clearly happening they clearly thought it was their thing and other people shouldn't be doing it so whether or not the, the trademark is a, is a red herring
1: like, yeah, may- let's maybe not talk right. about
0: whether the trademark was enforceable. Okay, well, there could be court cases and whatever, but there was a whole other thing going on that was not being talked about and was being <sighs> hidden by this whole licensing thing.
1: They clearly felt a ridiculous ownership over the idea of people reacting to stuff, and I, I like, I just, I just found it here, which is. Um, the, the thing where they, they were criticizing the Ellen DeGeneres show because they, uh, Ellen DeGeneres yeah. did it's apparently some bit where she was showing kids old technology. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the quote here from the Fine Brothers is, wow, the Ellen show did kids reacting to old technology, didn't mention us, uh, didn't check with us, not cool. Uh, you need to go to their Facebook and blast the kids react links, um. And it's like, okay, well, there, there's them trying to rally up an angry mob against the Ellen DeGeneres show for yeah. having people look at things and make comments about them. Yeah. And to me, that is like, okay, you, you are just out of touch with what you have made and its importance in the world and your ownership of it. And like, that's the thing that for me was, was the really galling part about it, because like, I totally agree with you. Like if the, the trademark in some way doesn't matter, I think the idea of doing a licensing deal, it's like whatever it's just boring business who cares, it's a totally standard thing. But to me the the galling thing is like the way they presented themselves was that was the thing that just really set me on edge. Like I cannot believe you guys have made this video about how amazingly important your react videos are and, and how you want everybody to, to join in on this thing.
0: Didn't they say change the world? I downloaded the video as soon as I saw it. Cause I thought surely they're going to take this video down and I want to make sure I've got it because because, <laughs> because, because I thought there's no way this video is going to last another hour on the internet, <laughs> but I'm sure every man and their dog did that too.
1: <laughs> At this point in the podcast, I, I'm going to edit in some of this video because you just, you have to hear this people. It is Unbelievable. I really think you should find some of the many re-uploads on video to see it. Like, seeing it is a whole other thing because it's just strangely put together. But for those listening, I am just going to put in a couple of clips just so you can hear what we're talking about.
0: Hello, everyone! Our company has grown so much over the years, and we are so grateful to have experienced this with all of you who have been with us for years, as well as new people who join the Fine family every day. We're now announcing this big thing that will
1: bring us closer than ever before by creating a new way for us to create content together. This is not only a huge step for our company, but for the entire global media industry. Ever since React first debuted over five years ago, we saw the impact of the series. We strive with React to be making episodes that will not just be interesting and entertaining now, but live on forever as a time capsule even a hundred years from now that people can look back at what various generations were saying about culture and the issues of our time.
0: We are excited to announce React World, which is a first of its kind program that allows people and companies to license all our popular shows online so that anyone, Even you watching right now can create your own versions in a fully legal way and be part of a new and exciting global community. As digital media has become more corporate, the spirit of wanting to do things differently than traditional Hollywood has started to dissipate. But our company has never lost that spirit. By licensing
1: our formats and trademarks, everyone will know that you're doing this legally with our company's guidance. We are so motivated for this. To know that our formats can inspire millions of people and opening that up for all
0: of you to have the chance to do the same is as exciting as anything we have ever done before. And we look forward to the time when we can look back to this moment, to this video with all of you, knowing that this was when we all stood together, changed the way things were done, and created this first-of-his-kind global community. We can't wait to work with so many of you and change the world together.
1: Their lines of, like, we are going to make this a global phenomenon with all of you. There's the part where they talk about how React videos are going to be looked back upon in a hundred years as an amazing time capsule of like current day events. And yes, they do talk about changing the world together. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing because, okay, so listen, like something I just want to make clear before we continue to talk about this. React videos, when you use that phrase, it covers a wide variety of things. Some of which I think are are just like the worst, lowest content on YouTube. And some of which are just like barely acceptable content. But if people like React videos, I have no problem with that. They're not for me, but I don't care if like if people like a thing, that's totally fine, right? You can't argue against people liking it. But there's no doubt that this is just the minimum amount of effort that you can possibly put in to create content (laughs) because you, you take somebody else's thing and you film some people reacting to it just occasionally yeah, making comments about
0: you're it you are not creating the emotion someone else's hard work is creating the emotion of the
1: video exactly right the yeah. other person is doing the heavy lifting here yeah. and then you are just filming reactions you are not like you're not lighting
0: the fire you're just warming your hands up with it
1: yeah you're warming your hands up with someone else's fire and i yeah. think this is another element of like the perfect stormness of this because yeah. I don't know for a fact. I have heard secondhand that the Fine Brothers uh, do get permission for all of the videos that they react to. I don't know if that's true. Let's just assume that it is for this conversation. Mm -hmm. But there are plenty of React channels that just... They're just, they're just copyright infringement channels. They take other popular videos and they film themselves as a person looking at their computer screen and reacting to the thing that's on screen, but then they'll put whatever it is in the corner so you can just watch it there. That's a transformative
0: work, right. That's transformative.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not even remotely transformative. And I think, like, that's another reason why this really blew up as a thing. Because on YouTube, like, those kind of react channels like people just hate it because it's you're just taking someone else's work and you're making money off of it and you're giving like no credit to the original person the worst thing is many of those channels will then sanctimoniously say like oh we're doing this to promote the other channels yeah, it's, so it's like exposure. no yeah. Yeah, it's exposure. And it's like, yeah, if it was, I'd be happy to receive it, but I don't. Like, please don't react to my videos where it's just your face looking at the screen saying nothing sometimes as my actual video plays. Like, that stuff is just <laughs> infuriating. Yeah. Right. But I think that, like, that's why the Fine Brothers thing blew up is like, okay, there's plenty of people out there who just can't stand React channels. But then on top of it, to, to make this video where you're talking about how like react channels are going to change the world together and like you're doing this amazing culturally important thing. I, I mean, when I watched the video, I was just like, oh, come on, fuck off, man. Right? Like you're just, you're just filming someone reacting to a thing that you didn't make. And again, I was not familiar with the Fine Brothers before this, except only in like the dimmest way of like, oh, right, Fine Brothers, I've heard their name but I went and I watched some of the react videos and it's like oh yeah this is exactly what I would have expected just like the easiest type of content to create in the world and again there's there's nothing wrong with things being easy right the world doesn't doesn't reward people in proportion to how hard they work nor should it but it, it's it's that contrast of, like, you're just making this super easy thing and you're also telling people how super important it is. Like, that that's one of the, like, triggers in this perfect storm of, like, why people got so riled up about these videos.
0: So, can I move on to your video for a bit? Okay. All right. Let me tell people how your video unfolded from my end. Because it's okay. just something a bit different. Then you can tell me your end. I, coincidentally, started communicating with you via text messages not long after you first heard about this and saw this. Right. And because I had meant to bring it up with you, but I thought you'd probably be off in one of your bubbles and didn't want to know about it yet. And then you messaged me, I think, something about it. And I said, oh, that's funny. I, I did want to talk to you about it. And you were not acting um, like outraged or really, really upset, but you were more engaged than usual. I could I could tell you thought it was really interesting. And we, you and I were joking, were sending each other a few jokes. And I actually sent you, I actually, you'd already thought of it, obviously, as we soon find out. But I even sent you a joke saying, haha, you know, you could trade—you could trademark stick figures. Right, yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, we were making a few jokes about it like we do. And then within a minute of me uh, making that stick figure crack, you sent me. A recording of your script which you'd obviously already had where you did that exact thing and made a joke about you trademarking stick figures and you did it in that funny voice that kind of enthusiastic california voice that you did it in i thought it was really funny and i actually went downstairs because i told my wife a little bit about the controversy and i said listen to what grager sent me and i played it to her and she thought it was really funny as well, so we had a laugh about it.
1: It's it's the it's the self-important vlogger voice.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sort of the yeah. A lot of beauty vloggers sort of talk like that. And uh, so anyway, I came I came back upstairs. And I think in the space of time that I had been downstairs, you had put the video on YouTube. I thought, I didn't actually know if you were going to do it, but I thought if you did, you were going to have to animate it. But you obviously, you didn't go for animation. You just sort of went for a single card. So you had turned it around really quickly and it was up. And funnily enough, my wife then came upstairs and she, and she actually said, you are going to advise Gray not to put that on YouTube, aren't you? And I, and I turned to him and I said, I said, too late. He's already done it. <laughs> like, and and I have to say, I thought it was funny. I thought it was clever. I thought it was a very uh, fair criticism. And I, I always find satire a very effective way of, of uh, criticising someone. And I am still, and I'm definitely not the only one among people who know you, I'm still absolutely astounded that you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe it. It's like, it's like someone else took over, took over your body for the day that you would do that. Because I will say this, like I think there's lots of things that you do are weird and I know they work for you and I find them really interesting uh, and you know, you're a good friend and I'm happy things work for you. But if there's one thing that I have learned from you that, that I have taken from our friendship that has made me a better person and a happier person, Mm -hmm. It is your ability to kind of ride above controversy, to not get involved with things that don't affect you. Uh, You are the master of not being having your feathers ruffled by things that shouldn't ruffle your feathers. And very often things that used to really upset me and I'd take to Twitter or I'd send angry emails and I'd get upset, so often I just sit back and I even think about, Gray. I think, you know what Grey would do, would be really good here. He would think it through. He would think, this doesn't affect me. I don't need to get involved. I don't need to put my oar in the water. I'll just do my own thing, you know. Think before you act. And in this case, something that had nothing to do with you, it didn't affect you in any way. uh, You didn't need to put in your two cents worth and kick these guys who were already being kicked from a thousand different angles. It's not like they needed a kicking. And you just jumped in with this huge... Kick, And <laughs> like you know, and, and you know, hundreds of—I th- don't know how many people have watched it. Hundreds of thousands, a million, I don't know, but it was a very—you know—did really well the video. But I, just, I can't believe you did it. I still can't believe you did it. Why did you do it?
1: Uh, I told you after I uploaded this video that this is something I would have never done a year ago, and I actually put it down in no small part to your influence through this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's your fault or anything, but you are constantly, constantly berating me for not just going with things. Like when we're doing, you always want to make sure, like Gray, you have to just go along with this thing, right? And you're always trying to get me to just be more spontaneous and just do stuff. And I felt like putting up that video, that was totally a Brady influence, right? Well, if, we, I mean, if we had never done this podcast, I would never have put up those videos.
0: Well, well I think that's good because a criticism I would have of you is I sometimes think you don't have the courage of your convictions. Like, there are things that I know you feel feel about and, you know, you have, have opinions of, of mm-hmm. what's what's right or wrong. Or even if you don't know what's right or wrong, you certainly have opinions and the, and then you'll say we, we shouldn't talk about that on the podcast it'll just cause us a world of trouble it's not worth the hassle let's just talk about something else and that's and that's fair enough and i've learned from that so to to see you feeling passionately about something and and act on it is a good thing i guess but but i still think i still don't know why this was the thing that made you do it and that, and and yet this one you know with these in in a community you move among as well you know you're a you're a youtuber you don't know the Fine Brothers as far as I know, but you're certainly friends with some of their friends.
1: Yeah, like in, in some ways, this is like an incredibly career stupid move.
0: Yeah, like, <laughs> like I, I think you'll, you'll, you'll probably meet them at some point, just at some- I know you don't go to many things, but there's a, there's a, a certainly, as you would say, a non-trivial chance that your, your paths will cross with the Fine Brothers. And now you've made this quite well-known video completely ripping the piss out of them. <laughs> Two videos, but oh yeah, two videos. Sorry. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Gray also spoofed the apology video. So yeah, so (laughs) he had kicked them
1: twice. Okay, so just like I think this was a perfect storm of of things that turned this into a big deal on the internet. The reason I reacted is is I felt like this video was a perfect storm of things for me, right? Which is why I reacted. So. Again, like just with just with everybody, with with every opinion that everybody has on everything, like there's there are levels above and below which you're going to cause actions and not. And so, yes, I am very much a person who just like doesn't care and, and avoids Internet drama for the most part. But I felt like almost like these two videos that they made, the first announcement and then especially the update video, that was that was really the one that put me over the edge. I felt like these two things couldn't have been more perfectly crafted to it to annoy exactly me, right? Like that's how I (laughs) felt about those videos. Like they had sat down and looked at an MRI scan of my brain and come up with the thing that could maximally frustrate me. And so this is why I reacted. And I also reacted because I thought as soon as I saw that update video, I I made the two videos, right? One... One as a mockery of the, the first announcement and one as a, a mockery of their update video. But I only made the two because I really just wanted to make the second one. And So to make the second one, I had to do the first one as well. And that's why I made both of them. Thing one about this that annoys me, and this is just, this is just my own personal situation, but I, I get frustrated by these huge channels that have like big staffs of people working for them that then also want to talk like they're just a person in their bedroom making videos. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is the funny thing. Like, you and I, Brady, like, for the large part, we we are still individuals making videos. Like, we work with people on occasion to help us make videos. You have someone who is making the computer file videos for you. But neither of us have, like, employees and just, like, omnipresent dozens of staff who are helping us out with stuff. Yeah. A- and... The Fine Brothers it just, were just being like this pinnacle example of trying to talk like, oh, we're just we're just some normal people and we wanna we wanna make videos too and bring this to the world and it's amazing. But like we also are sitting on top of these hundreds and hundreds of millions of views and 14 million subscribers, and we're showing pictures of our company that has 20 employees. The distance between like what you are and the way you are portraying yourself that just kind of infuriates me. Like, my feeling is like, there's nothing wrong with being a giant company. But if you are a company with a whole bunch of people, like, you have to talk in a different way when you're discussing your plans.
0: So, what- because, I mean, obviously, obviously you don't think people who have this success and go in this direction of starting companies, like, lose their right to- to be people and talk to their no, audience. No, not obviously at all. Not obviously, at all. you're not saying that. So, what is it about the way they spoke? Because these two brothers sort of fronted the video and yeah. spoke
1: directly out, out to their audience. So, I wrote down a couple of quotes, but like almost in, in the very beginning, they do this thing that companies do that I just absolutely hate, which is talking in terms of a family. So, they have a reference about like everybody who's joining the fine family. And this is a thing like when I would work in schools- Okay, a school is already so much closer to a family than a company ever is, but boy, did it irritate the crap out of me whenever the administrative staff in any of the schools that I worked at talked about, like, everybody is a family. It's like, you know what? We're not a family. You want to use the word family to have a certain feeling in the people who are working for you, but family is not even remotely this word, right? Like, I just... It just sets me right on edge. Like, I hate that kind of thing where someone's trying to appropriate a more friendly word in a situation that is not even remotely applicable. All right, so they're talking about, like, join the fine family. It's going to bring us closer than ever before. Like, excuse me, uh, could you explain to me what about your licensing program is going to bring this, quote, family closer than ever before. Like it's a business deal. There's nothing wrong with the business deal. There's nothing wrong with doing licensing. But I think it's it's just gross to present it in this way. Right? And then And then they transition from talking about a family to talking about like the community. Like we want to do this with the community and for the community and how this is great for the community. And that's the other one that just, again, is a kind of a YouTube thing that just really bothers me. Like I don't like the use of the word community, especially in this kind of situation with the Fine Brothers where it's like, what community? Where is this community, right? I I think what you have is an audience, right? Like you should use the word audience here. There's a large number of people who are watching you do a thing and there's nothing wrong with that. But you want to use the word community To put in people's mind this vision of like a village where we're all equal and all working together for a thing as opposed to the actual situation, which is like the two of you are the focus of everything in the world and all of the individuals on the outside are separated from each other and their only focal point is you. I think the reason why people use the word community on YouTube is because the word fan is uncomfortable. Like we've we've discussed this, right? I don't like using the word fan. And one of the main reasons why I, I don't I don't like to, and will n- try never to say something like my fans, because fan implies something about the internal emotional state of the person, right? They are a person who just loves everything that you do. Well, it implies they're fanatical. Yeah. Right, exactly. That's, yeah. that's what it means. Yeah. And so, this is why, like, I wish that people who were uncomfortable with the term fan- wouldn't jump to the word community, because the word community is a lie. Like, unless you are actually making your audience into a community by having them arrange gatherings, like where they independently of you do things, like, okay, if that's occurring, that is a community. But if you are the central focus all the time of everything that's occurring What you have is an audience. And so like, that is why I try to use the word audience. And I also like audience because it's like, well, all it says is that there are people who are watching what you do, but it, again, it doesn't put a mental state in their head. These are fanatics who love you. It's just an, it's an audience. Like that's what it is. And this is the actual relationship here. Like a person is on stage and there are people watching what they're doing. So all the community stuff, it just... Again, like when they're trying to make a business deal, that is just like perfectly designed to irritate me. Like whenever I hear the word community, it just like argh, it sets my teeth on edge. If the if there is no actual community there. Like that's that's why that first video just it it set me off on the wrong foot. Like I cannot believe how frustrating this is. And then the other thing about that, which I mentioned earlier, is like this amazing misunderstanding of who are they making this video for? So it's like, okay, they have an audience, but the very fact that they are putting out this video to me seemed like some kind of amazing misunderstanding of who their audience is. Like how many of your subscribers do you think care at all about your licensing deal here? Like this this just seems amazingly tone deaf. And then to follow like, oh, we have this licensing deal thing with, I was looking at trying to like put it the time for the video, but like the second half of the video is then entirely all about like, make sure that you don't watch any videos that are different React videos. Make sure you only watch our React videos and kind of like boycott people who are doing it illegally. And if you want to do it legally, do it through our licensing program. So that, that first video like kind of set me off like, oh man, this is just... I think I tweeted something about, like, this is, um, like, perfectly wrong in every way that it can possibly be. Yeah. Like, it's going to be misunderstood. It is aimed at an audience who can't possibly care less and will only be irritated by the implication that they're doing something wrong by watching other React videos or making React videos. And this false friendliness of like, we're a community, we're a family, like you're coming into our family. It's like, yeah, but in families, you know, you don't pay licensing deals to your parents for their names, right? Like that's not how <laughs> families work. There's nothing about that that's a family.
0: Let me let me give you a prickly devil's advocate question then. I don't think we use words like family and community. I ho- if we do, I hope we don't do it often because they're, they're a bit silly. But mm. we do have things like, we sell, you know, flags, for example, like the fun, mm-hmm. like that, the Hello Internet flag, and like we make a little bit of money from that. But at the same time, we are saying, buy the flag and, you know, fly the nail and gear, and we make jokey jokes about, you know, the mighty nail and gear and mm-hmm. show your support for Hello Internet and that. How is that different? How are we How are we different when we sell a flag and say, you know, put the flag on your wall and fl- fly your flag for the, the mighty nail and gear Hello Internet? I guess we are being a little bit ironic, but... Yeah, I mean, we call it nation building. <laughs> yeah, so so you think we're being sufficiently sarcastic about it or uh, silly about it? That because uh, what's the difference? What's the difference between what's the difference between that? You know, they're they're saying they've got a community, and you know, we have got a bunch of people that you know like joking about this stuff and talking to each other about it. And okay, so uh, like like
1: when you when you think about what a community is, right? I just think a key part of that is people doing things like independently larger than people doing things related to you and and yeah. so i I still just think like we have an audience with hello internet like hello Internet is by far and away the thing that comes closest to the possibility of using the word community right but i I would still stay far away from it, and i don't I don't like that word. And I try to avoid it. Although I'm sure if people go back through the podcast, they can find someplace where I've slipped up. I just I just don't like that word. And it's not something that I would necessarily use to describe this. Because again, it feels, it feels like there's something in there which is trying to put something into the minds of the people in your audience that is almost exploitive. Because when I think about, again, yeah. like working for a school, and when they talk about a family, these conversations always came up when like administration wants you to do something that you would never do if you were thinking about this as a company, right? And you yeah. were an employee in a company. They want you to think about this as a family because <laughs> in a family, like you go way out of your way to help family members in a way that you would not help strangers or coworkers.
0: Yeah. You're appropriating the the goodwill and emotional baggage of the word family to try and achieve something exactly. else. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's like, but you know what? In families, uh, you don't give people, you know, trial memberships in families. You don't fire people from families. <laughs> like, 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 you want all of the good parts of the word family, yeah. you know, to be associated with you. But you also still want all of the control of a company, right? Yeah. And that's what I don't like about the word community. Like, especially, yeah. especially when it's combined with asking for money. So, like, I would never want to say something like buy a flag so that you can be part of the hello internet community yeah you see like what happens there is and don't and don't and don't fly a flag that wasn't made by us because then you're not part of the community (laughs) yeah that's exactly it like i'm I'm actually thinking like i mean because when we talked about the when the flag thing came up like that was one of the very reasons why uh you know, we, we gave over the design, like, to the public domain, right? And I think uh, this is the one of the main, main. this is one of the few places I think I may have used the word community, because I can genuinely say, like, the community made this, because we had nothing to do with that flag. Yeah, that yeah. flag and, and, was several yeah. iterations of other people.
0: And actually, they're doing, and they're doing what you said, they're like 3D printing it and doing all sorts of making phone cases out of it and all sorts. Yeah. So, and that's got nothing to do with us.
1: Yeah, that, that's, that, and but like, That is the closest you're going to come to a community, and it is a a moment where, like, we discussed it ahead of time. It's like, yeah, we are not going to be the exclusive owners of this flag. We Mm. didn't make it; like, it came organically without us, and so it makes sense to like throw it back out organically. Like, we can't claim Mm. ownership of this thing. That's what I mean with this, this kind of community thing. Like, it's it's very very tricky. But I just think audience is almost always the correct word. It doesn't have emotional baggage, and it's a it's a description of the situation
0: now the 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 update video the Fire brothers made the kind yeah. of the the half retraction before the complete retraction happened, yeah uh, which was not done with a video that was just done quietly with a blog post. but this kind of half retraction attempt to uh to stem the hemorrhaging mm-hmm editorially aside, if you just ignore the content and what they were trying to achieve with it, that was not, for guys who make films for a living, that was not well executed um, artistically. The way their looks and their expressions and some of the scripting, like I think if they could do that differently a second time, they would take Mm -hmm. that option.
1: Yeah. That that video was the one where when I watched it, I knew immediately I had to make, the two videos that I made making fun of it. But <laughs> like the, the choice was taken away from you. I honestly felt like I have no choice now, right? Like, this, <laughs> like the first video annoyed me on these things that are particular annoyance to me and and just like press my buttons. But I swear to God, when I watched that update video, the moment they used the word freeboot, it was like, yeah, no, I have no choice, right? I, oh, like- I
0: forgot. I forgot they used the word freebooting in it. I know. <laughs> That, like, that that almost made me forgive them.
1: <laughs> yeah. I was I was watching the thing and I like I knew I was already going to make this video, but it's like when they said freeboot, it's like it's like they they handed me a letter of permission <laughs> to make a video about this. And I just had I I really felt like I had no choice. And you know, and those two videos I made, like I have never made anything faster in my whole life. Like those those two videos, they were just You know, it, it was like God was reaching down from heaven and just made everything go right. Like I did it in a take, you know, it took no editing. There was like, it just came out perfectly the first time for both videos. And it was like, well, you know, this is divinely ordained, right? Like I'm not even thinking about this, like up they go, right? And then once they're up there, it's like God ushered each video one at a time to the very top slot of all of reddit for both videos and it was like well you know again out of my hands totally out of my hands Yeah, all
0: right.
1: but that but that update video is one of the most unbelievable things i have ever seen and that that was the one where it was like okay man you made this video that was poorly misunderstood that pressed my buttons in the wrong way and then your update video it seems like it's nothing but you expressing contempt for your audience not understanding your poorly made first video <laughs> and, and it, it was that was that was the astounding part of it was it's like like I thought this first video was was bad but this this doesn't this is not even a double down this is like a, like an octuple down on your mistake the first time and again, maybe I'll play some audio clips from people here cuz like you just have to hear it it's un believable how they sound. And if you watch it, if you watch the video, the facial expressions they're making is again, like shaking their heads. Can't believe that their business licensing plan that they sent out to 14 million subscribers who normally watch react videos uh, wasn't well received. It's it's yeah. it's amazing. It's amazing. And, and My personal theory here is, again, I, d- I do not know the Fine Brothers. I don't know any of the details behind the scenes of any of this. Like I'm just, even though I'm a YouTuber, like in many ways, I'm just as much on the outside of this as everybody else. My guess about this is just that the Fine Brothers have to have been spending so much time as the heads of this company talking to other media companies and talking to other business people that they just they were just kind of out of touch with how to talk about all of this business stuff to a normal audience. Like that that this is where they spend all their time with people who are like, boy, we'd love to license your intellectual property. And so they think everybody would be interested in licensing (laughs) our intellectual property. And that's why they made this video. And then that's also why they were surprised that it wasn't well received. Because from their perspective, everyone they talked to loves this idea.
0: Great. This was their phantom menace.
1: And then, they made, and then they made Attack
0: of the Clones. I wish they'd made a third one just to finish it off. <laughs> but it's like they it's like they'd had a great moment. They'd, they'd become successful. And, but, but did no one watch it? I mean, this is what makes... Like, did someone watch the second video? Like, they must have played it to people and said, we're thinking of putting this out to improve the situation. What do you think? And did those people look at it and go... Great, that's that's gonna sort it, guys. Well done. Every that's the, you know you're gonna put the fire out there. Well, obviously, obviously they just poured f- fuel on the
1: fire. But speaking of the prequels, uh, as the red letter media reviews show so well, in those prequels there are many scenes where George Lucas is talking to underlings, and you can totally see that the underlings have thoughts on their mind that they are not saying. Right? But everyone's I mean. yeah. just agreeing yeah. with George Lucas, yeah. and this is. This is, again, where I think, like, this idea of there's there's nothing wrong with being a company, but but one of the problems with being a company is that it can be difficult for the people at the top to have a sense of how people below them are actually thinking. And so, I imagine the same thing kind of happened where it's like, these guys are in charge of the company, they made this video, they're, they're the ones who had the final say of whether it goes up or not, and they show it to a couple people, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's great, you know, like... And then up it goes, right? And the whole thing goes yeah. up in flames. Like, they, sh- they showed it to some some people whose salary they're paying. And exactly. Said, what do
0: you, What do you think of this video that we appear in physically? And no one can say, "Well, well, boss, I know you pay my salary, but the way you're rolling your eyes there makes you look really dodgy." And yes, yeah. I know, I know that you pay my health insurance, but you look really poor in there, and you look like, yeah. unconvincing. And you know, they need. I don't know. They, they like, maybe they when you out. say
1: sorry, you shouldn't say it with all of the contempt in the world, right? yeah. Could you tone it down like a little? <laughs> because when you're saying sorry, you're clearly sorry that you have to make this video, not sorry for anything that has occurred.
0: <laughs> Let me ask you one more thing. Um, have many of your other friends and YouTube buddies and people like that, what have they said to you about the fact that you put your or in the water here? Have they said, you know, good for you, Grey? Or have they said, well, man, that was crazy? Or what's, what's the general reaction been from- other people like me in your life
1: well this this actually you know this actually just goes back to the like the company thing in some ways where it's like you don't know what people's private thoughts are you know when when i talk to people the the universal consensus from my perspective seems to be like one the fine brothers thing was a total unmitigated disaster and then two the parody videos were hilarious like that's you know that's that's what I've been hearing from people, but you never know what are the complete internal thoughts of other people about whether or not they thought it was a good idea to do this, or you know, you don't know that. Like that's not a thing you can necessarily tell.
0: Because I mean, you're you're Mr. Cost-Benefit Analysis, and I don't imagine these videos have been like a have been like they've been. I guess you have made some advertising income from them and you got some new subscribers, but they haven't they haven't been big for you. Like you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of of dollars earned per minute spent, they're actually probably the most profitable videos I've ever made. Oh, okay,
0: okay. Because I was going to say, what's I was going to say, now we've come out the other end. What was in it for you, or did you just want to play?
1: I mean, the, the part of it was like this was just irresistible. I, I really do mean <laughs> this feeling of like I had no choice. Right. I, I just, honest to God, felt like I had no choice. I saw those videos. <laughs> I immediately recorded the audio. It came out perfect. Everything was perfect. And I was like, Welp, I'm uploading them. That's why it was so fast from your perspective. Like, you didn't make it down to the kitchen and back before I'd uploaded the video. Yeah. Um. So, it was th- – that's just the way it was. And the second thing is, like, it was <laughs> – Everything about it just pushed my buttons perfectly. I wanted to upload these things. I thought they were funny. I thought that their their commentary was like, was on point as far as satire goes. So, I was like, I just, I just couldn't not. Like, what, you know, what is it a great career decision? Like, maybe not. But, you know, I, I've learned to be, I've learned to be more reckless from you, Brady. That's what I've learned.
0: So, as I alluded to earlier, I felt a bit sorry for them at times. You know, you know, I don't like lynch mobs. And these guys were certainly lynched, and they, they, were, they were kicked from all angles, and like at times I th- I, you know I thought, "Oh, that must be really hard on them," and you know lying in bed at night, because I don't know, they're human beings, and I felt sorry for them. But another part of me thinks, if this hadn't happened, if people hadn't piled on and people just tried to reason with them or have a rational discussion with them, they wouldn't have stopped. And this would have come to a head in another way. I don't know how. I don't know whether more videos would have been taken down. I I don't know if it would have, you know, the battle would have been won or lost anyway, but certainly something good came from this and that is this thing they were trying to do that I don't think they should have been doing or been allowed to do did stop. So it felt like it did achieve something that I think probably should have been achieved and that is them taking control of a format that I don't think they own. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if there was a better way to do it because I don't, I don't, I didn't like watching them. I didn't like watching what they had to go through. I'm not lumping you into that in terms of the really bad stuff, but I, so I don't want to sound like I'm picking on you. Oh no, no, I don't, but, I don't, I don't
1: think I don't think you are at all. But this is yeah. this is always what happens with the mob, right? And especially when you have a mob that is in this, like the size of hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, you're going to get behavior that's not great. And that's where this is where like every person always ends up drawing their own line. And so like I, like the the thing i've discussed with a few people is the point at which it seemed to me like okay this is this is gone from like a fun mob to like ooh a little scary is when it starts becoming the meta thing where there are all these trackers that were keeping record of how many subscribers they had lost per hour and then it then it becomes like live feeds that people can watch of how many people are unsubscribing you know per yeah. minute to their channel. And that's that's the part where, to me, it felt like, ooh, this now has suddenly become like a dangerous thing because it's not even about the issue anymore. Now it's like a mob that just wants to see a number go down. And, yeah. And they that,
0: they, like, no, they no longer cared about the verdict. They just wanted to watch the execution.
1: I, I don't think an execution in some ways is, is too strong of a, a metaphor there because internet, internet mobs, like they don't kill people. But I think taking away or threatening the way someone makes a living in the modern world like that's pretty close to threatening someone's life like to to take away the way they make a living yeah and and then to turn that and into the central focus of it is where it's like ooh, that's 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 the way mobs go (laughs) that's always the way mobs go This episode of Hello Internet is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com and enter the offer code HELLO at checkout to get 10% off. When it comes to giving yourself a place online, there's no place like Squarespace. All of the power of professional websites without any of the worries or hassles that you have to deal with if you're running your own thing from top to bottom no worries about hosting no worries about upgrading a linux server on the other side of a country it's just so easy which is why i use squarespace for all the websites that i run with squarespace you can build sites that look professionally designed regardless of your skill level no coding required. They have intuitive, easy to use tools that can make your website look and feel exactly how you want. And while it can look beautiful on the outside, it will be secure and stable on the inside because of their state of the art technology. Squarespace is trusted by millions of people and some of the most respected brands in the world. It's really easy to get started with a no credit card required trial by going to squarespace.com just start to play around with how you want your website to look give it a give it a test drive you will like it and if you have any questions whatsoever. They have 24-7 support with live chat and email and teams based around the world to help you wherever you are. There's so much on Squarespace that it's impossible to talk about in a single ad. But like if you need a website and if you ever want to do anything with it, if you just want to have a single portfolio or you want to run a whole online store, Squarespace has got you covered. Seriously, try them out. Squarespace.com Offer code HELLO to get 10% off and to show your support for this show. Thank you to Squarespace. Squarespace, you should. Hello. Just finishing
0: my Skittles. So, Gray, this actually segues somewhat nicely with a book that I happen to have just finished reading. And it's a book that you previously recommended in one of our Audible ads. And that Mm -hmm. is So You've Been Publicly Shamed by John Ronson. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that's right, isn't it? I sometimes call him Mark Ronson in my head because he's a music producer. I always worry about getting that wrong.
1: I keep calling him Ron Johnson, as other people (laughs) have pointed out. (laughs) I think in that very audible ad, i made the mistake twice. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, no. So, so John Ronson, not Ron Johnson. But yes, the the segue segue is a perfect segue, perhaps, talking about mobs and mobs on the internet.
0: I had not read the book, of course. Uh, I'd heard you talk about it. Mm -hmm. I- I went for the dead tree version in this particular case, because it's oh always. Nice to, it's always nice to have a dead tree version when you're on holiday on the beach and stuff, so mm-hmm. um, And good book, very, very thought-provoking. It's been a while since I read a book that got me that down about the world, but in a good way.
1: I've been working on the the script for the Q&A video for my channel for the, the 2 million subscriber thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions someone asked me was, uh, like, what was the best book of uh, the last year that I read? And I looked over my list and I think I'm going to give my book of the year award to this book. This one is a really interesting book. Mm-hmm. And it's also a book that I can almost universally recommend. Like, whereas some of the other books that I happen to really like that I read this year, I need to know something about the person. It's like, I'm not going to recommend super intelligence to everybody as as a book. It's like, if you read a lot of crazy stuff about AI, like, I need to know some things about you. But this book, it, it falls into the interesting category of like, okay, if you make your living on the internet, this is required reading, right? Absolutely required reading. But also just for anybody who participates in social media on the internet i also think this is required reading and so now mm. we're talking about like 90% of the internet connected human population so I, yeah. like i i i think it's a very interesting very well written book i don't agree with everything in it as always with these kind of things but mm. but man it's it's one that has really stuck with me since i read it like a year ago so
0: for people who don't know what the book's about basically in a nutshell, he's talking about what well, he's talking about—the way that Twitter can be used to sort of turn on someone when they do things wrong, or they, they are perceived to have done things wrong—and mm-hmm. sort of a Twitter mob. It's usually—it's very Twitter-centric. This book, which is perhaps one of my criticisms of it, but uh, he talks about how a Twitter mob will turn on someone and basically destroy their life and, mm. how, and basically sh- shame them. And then he goes off on a few tangents. It's a very well-written book and it's very chatty. And he goes on a bit of a journey as he explores this whole issue of public shaming. And he goes and meets different people. He meets some victims. He meets some semi-perpetrators. He meets other people who have interesting views on shame and public shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's what the book's about. It's about what it's like for people who have the internet turn on them, like the Fine mm-hmm. Brothers just
1: experienced. The the prime example, the main girl that he's using, it's Justine, what is her last name?
0: Sacco, I think her name Sacco. is. Sacco,
1: that's right, yes. She, it's uh, Justine Sacco. And her her story was making a, a tweet where she joked about uh, she's going to Africa, and that she doesn't have to worry about getting AIDS because she's white. Like you know, not the best joke in the world. Kind of well, I actually,
0: I can't believe that people didn't realize that was a joke. Like that—that that is a testament to people's inability to understand well, sarcasm. It was a we'll mistake. Get, we'll get
1: to that in a second. I have okay. a particular theory about this, right? Okay. Um. But but she made this this joke, and you know she didn't have very many twitter followers she's sort of like just a, a regular citizen on the internet you know she's just a normal person using twitter but so she's on her way to south africa she gets on a plane and while she's on the flight this thing explodes into people you know saying like oh, we, we have to get this racist fired from her job right And anyone who's seen these these internet mobs like you know this thing like it explodes into a bigger thing and just like the fine brothers were a perfect storm the reason it happened to justine like this perfect storm for her was like yes one her job was in pr right so that makes the story way more delicious mm. two there was this element of boy isn't she going to be surprised when the plane lands like there were reporters going you know yeah. to to be at the airport so there was like a countdown clock for yeah, excitement there, there was suspense and a narrative and yeah and then the other thing which, which is more like my personal theory on, on why this stuff happens is that I think people were able to willingly misinterpret her tweet because she's a case of where like beating down on her allows people to signal to all of their friends how they don't like racism like the beat down on her is is twice as strong because people feel like I get to tell everybody how great I am because boy don't I hate racists and it's yeah. like but do you really think that joke is like some super racist joke or like is it it's just a bad joke or it's just sarcasm but I think yeah. like this is the this is the combination of things that turns it into a gigantic storm it's like this perfect stuff and so her life is just ruined from this like she loses her job and mm. has just been like harassed by a, like an a not understandably sized large mob like i cannot imagine how traumatic this must be again just for like a regular citizen living their regular lives not someone mm. who makes a public living on the internet like i can't imagine what it would be like to be at the at the center of this kind of thing
0: that one does drive me crazy because that tweet the way I interpret that tweet, it actually was kind of, it was kind of making a racial commentary anyway. Like it was making a sort of a positive racial commentary about sort of the disproportionate number of people getting AIDS, and but she was just doing it in this kind of reverse. She was doing it the way a, com- a comedian would do it. Like a comedian would do that on a stage, and everyone would get it and actually think it's a it's actually an interesting commentary on the state of the world. And she did it, and people just thought that she was some kind of moron who didn't understand how AIDS worked or something.
1: But John Ronson does make that same point, and he goes like like the history of comedy, which I do. It's just one of the things where I think he oversells that a little bit because because my perspective on it is like it doesn't even really matter if it was intended as some kind of commentary. Like the, like the amount of incredible pushback she got was disproportionate to mm. this thing, right? Mm. Even if it, you know, like the, the, there's a version of, the best version of her is like, she's sitting there intentionally crafting like a commentary on the situation of AIDS in Africa, right? Mm. Or like, or she just made a thoughtless joke. Like, but even if she just made a thoughtless joke, mm. the, the, the what happened is just wildly disproportionate. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I came, I came out of this book again, wishing I didn't I wasn't on Twitter Uh, and and thinking that social media and, you know, I still don't think it's as, I still think it's not as bad as Reddit. I still think, I still think Reddit's the worst place, but. We got to talk about that sometimes. Yeah, (laughs) But it's, it made me think of, uh, it made me think Twitter was poison as well, but, and it's just really scary, isn't it? It's like, it's like any book or film
1: you see where something really bad happens to someone and you think, gosh, you know that could, that could happen to me. And you mentioned maybe a week ago that you were reading this and that it w- might be an interesting thing to talk about on the podcast. And of course, it ties in very well with the whole Fine Brothers thing, where I was just recently part of a gigantic internet mob. And I've been thinking a lot about this because, again, over, over maybe the last year, I've just been, I've just become fascinated with the way like arguments happen on the internet and the way people talk about things. And <laughs> this ties into Guns, Germs, and Steel, which we'll get to at another at another point. But like, I'm just kind of fascinated more and more by the way in, the internet like affects people's behavior. But I was trying to think about like, why do some mobs seem okay to me and other mobs don't? So like mm-hmm. the Justine thing, mob seems really bad to me. But then when you get like mobs against a company trying to change the company's behavior, it's like, well, that seems fine to me. Mm-hmm. Thinking about it, and in my notes, I came up with kind of three axes that make it more or less okay, from my perspective. I think one of those is, like, individuals versus corporations. Mm -hmm. So, like, the more the dial is turned towards, is this mob against one individual acting alone? Like, that seems worse than a mob acting against, like, some gigantic transcontinental company. The other axes I was thinking about is like public versus private people. And this again is where like, he has a few examples in the book, but again, of just like regular internet citizens that get swept up into a thing that is way beyond them because they are, are the spark that kicks off a fire. But their normal life is that they're just normal people. So not public figures. Yeah, and the closer you are on the end of being a public figure the more okay it is, or like the less of a problem I would have with a mob depending on the circumstances. It doesn't mean that it's totally okay to just like beat down all public figures, but I'm trying to think like, when do I get mad about witch hunts on the internet and when am I less likely to get mad? So like the more famous a person is, the more you can have angry mobs seem normal. And at the most extreme end of this, you you get all the way up to something like politics, right? The most public of all public people are politicians. And they just seem to have constant standing armies of angry mobs that hate everything they do, right? Mm -hmm. And it just seems like, oh, but that's just part of politics. And then the, the last one on my three axes here is like context versus lack of context. And this is my big, big problem with the internet is when people take like a single piece of information and decide everything about a person based on that. So like Mm. one poorly worded tweet is reason enough for people to decide you are a total racist or you are a total sexist. And then once they decide that's what you are, now it's okay to hound you until the ends of the earth because I have defined you as a bad person. Yeah. If there's one thing that the internet has convinced me more and more of, it's that there is a large segment of the population that is either incapable or uninterested in understanding people as anything other than absolutes. And that to me is the most dangerous kind of mob. Like you take one sentence and then people just decide that person is evil, which totally justifies their behavior. And that links back into the thing that I said before where people doubly enjoy a beatdown because they feel like they are crushing badness beneath their boot while also waving a flag to all of their friends showing how virtuous they are. Mm. And that to me is like the most dangerous aspect of, of what makes mobs more or less frightening.
0: It sounds that last thing you said there, Gray, that's almost like two points because- like I, I completely agree that context is is really important. You know, if they'd gone back through this Justine woman's Twitter feed and there'd been a pattern of comments that were not that were racist, basically, um, that would that would be different to one tweet. And that's a really important a really important point you make. But I feel like this is a whole separate point: the empowering nature of social media. It, it's almost giving people too much power. It's becoming like a drug a drug for them. They're not they're not just they're not just attacking the racist person because racism is wrong they're doing it to, like to show off to their friends so it has this has this double double effect i think that's separate from the the context issue
1: yeah i think you're right maybe that doesn't add that doesn't doesn't exist on a spectrum but that's like a that's like an accelerant to every other yeah folklore.
0: yeah it's it's uh, we're giving a powerful weapon to people and it's got the the extra problem that it makes people feel really good to use it
1: This is slightly tangential, but boy, do I hate the fads that pass over Facebook and Twitter where people are supposed to be changing their icon to support whatever. And that to me is like the purest version of this kind of thing. People change their Twitter icon to support issue X or, you know, or to support issue Y. And really, like, what have they done? They have done literally nothing. The actual thing that is occurring here is that they are just wanting to signal to their friends, like, oh, look how virtuous I am because yeah. I care about this thing.
0: Like when someone tweets on oh, my thoughts are going out to the people who've all lost their homes in that fire. And someone replies, if only your thoughts could rebuild all their houses.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the thing. It's like, you want to get all of the credit for being a good person, but you're actually doing nothing. Like, yeah. th- th- that, like that is the the purest version of of this kind of, of thing. And, uh, you know, again, just a few of his examples in the books, I think the ones that I find most galling all had that element of it where this person is being beaten down in no small part because then the crowd is able to show how virtuous it is. Like, I forget the other girl who had that, like, dumb picture of her uh, in yeah. front of the, like, the, the soldiers. Like a yeah, soldier at Arlington, at, at the cemetery, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so she's taking a picture of herself in front of the, the sign at Arlington, which was asking for, like, quiet and respect. And it was a a picture of her pretending to yell and flipping the finger. It's, It's a stupid picture. But that has the additional problem of like, now everybody who's on the side of like, let me show how virtuous I am and how much I love America. Yeah. Right. Gets to feel awesome by beating down on this girl because of this one picture.
0: Yeah. And to put that in context, her and her friend had like a running joke of them in front of signs Du- directly disobeying a sign, so smoking in front of a no smoking sign or running in front of a no running sign. So it was just the fact that the sign said, be quiet and respectful. So they thought, oh, let's pretend we're being loud and disrespectful. And right, the fact right. that it was at Arlington Cemetery was, was irrelevant to the joke. Right. But then everyone thinks this is a chance to show that they how much more they respect you know, the war-fallen. So, the mob you joined- You don't normally join these mobs, obviously, but the mob you <laughs> recently joined. I'm just figuring out where the Fine Brothers are on the spectrum. They're, they are sort of a company, and as far as they individual people, they are quite public. Context-wise... Uh...
1: My feeling on the context was, when I came to this story, I saw both videos. So, I did yeah. not exist in this time period where there was only one. Yeah, and so that that to me was like I got to see your thing, and then I got to see your clarification of this thing. Yeah, I I think I have all of the context yep. to do this.
0: So on all three axes, they were they were ready for a whipping. You reckon?
1: Yeah, and 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 also the like the virtuous thing I, I just want to point out again is extra funny because it's like that very morning I had enforced my own trademark against somebody else. So there's no there's no version of this where I feel like. I am defending people against trademarks. It's like, I have a trademark. I just used a trademark. Like, that's, 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 uh, that's not what I'm feeling like. We're going to defend everybody against trademarks. So, yeah, yeah. that's kind of why, like, I think it's it's okay. And it's also why, you know, again, I think people have the right to do it. But, like, I didn't want to do a video that was insulting them as individuals. Like, and there was no shortage of that. Right, like there was there was no shortage of videos going after them personally. I don't know. This is like the the tricky thing with with mm-hmm. like these public mobs is it also kind of runs up into issues about like what can people say on the internet and like how much do you want to limit people's actions and it just I think that this book is a really interesting book because it's it shows a certain side of internet behavior but it's also just connected to a lot of other things about how people interact with each other and. The nature of public and private space, and the nature of shame in the modern world. Like, it's. I think it's a really interesting book that I think everybody should should read.
0: Yeah, Ronson didn't really go there in some of those issues, though, did he? In terms of anonymity of the commenters, and uh, you know, yeah liable and what you can and can't say, or the, or the criminalness of some of it as well. Like he didn't, he didn't go there. He sort of, he, he talked about, you know, is it wrong or right that people are doing this? Yeah, But he didn't go into some of those, those finer details, which maybe are important.
1: They are definitely important. But I think when you're reading the book, you can't help but think of those things, even if he's not talking about them explicitly. Mm. And, You know, when I think about this stuff, it's like, what would you do if you were in charge of society to change this? And I think there's, like, this is an incredibly different or difficult question to answer. Because it's like, okay, when I think about the kind of mobs that I don't like, that seem scary, that seem illegitimate, and then you try to separate them from the particulars of any situation, it's very hard to know if there is even anything that can be done about this or... I mean, in some ways, if there even is anything that should be done about this, because like, I I can't think of any kind of systemic solution that doesn't also then rub up against other things that I also value, like mm. people's ability to express themselves on the internet, even if it is in ways that other people feel isn't nice, right? Like, I think that that's an important thing to have. And so, like, that's why I I feel like this book puts me in an interesting, like, pensive mood about, like, there's there's a lot in here that I don't like, but I'm also not sure that there can be any solution that isn't ultimately worse than the thing that it is trying to fix.
0: I haven't thought about this as much as you. So, whenever I talk about it, I feel like you run rings around me, sort of debating-wise. But I do think the internet is changing- so much or the world is changing so much with the way the internet is integrated into it that i think things should be changed because i know you're i know you're all about the free speech and people expressing themselves and i know how empowering the internet has been in that way for goodness sake i mean i've been able to start a whole new career expressing myself on the internet and having my own business and making my own films that would never have happened without the internet. You know, I'd still be working Mm -hmm. at a newspaper or something if it hadn't been for the internet. So I'm very grateful for it. But the, but we, as we live more and more of our life on the internet, I think maybe we need to think about whether or not we need to protect people more because if it was allowed, if it was legal for when you were walking down the street for a hundred people to come up and start screaming in your face or saying racist things or doing that. Like there is a law to stop that. There Mm -hmm. is a law to stop people being harassed. But on the internet, we say, well, this is great because normally these people would never get to express how they felt or they'd never get to tell Tom Cruise that they think he's an idiot or they'd never get to tell these famous people this, or they'd never get to go to tell strangers what they think, or they'd never get to speak their mind. And now they're getting a voice. Well, that's that's nice, but as, as we move more and more onto the internet, I think the modern equivalent of walking down the street is becoming spending a bit of time on Twitter or Facebook. And if that mm-hmm. is the new walking down the street, I think we should be afforded a f- some of the protection that someone walking down the street has. And at the moment, we don't have that. Yeah. At the moment, at the moment, you can get away with things on the internet. You would never get away with face to face in real life with people, and that's fine. But our lives are moving onto the internet. Less of, we're spending less time walking down the street, and now we're walking down the cyber street, and we're having a hundred people scream in our face and assaulting us. And everyone's like, "Well, it's different because it's the internet, man." Well, it's beca- I think it's becoming less different, and maybe something needs to
1: reflect that. Whenever you're having a disagreement with someone, it's always good to try to find like, what is the fundamental point of disagreement, uh, which which is not always an easy thing to do. Mm. And I think what you have expressed is, is the fundamental point of disagreement between us on this topic, which is a thing that we've sort of talked about on the podcast before and then not. We've had like vigorous conversations that we totally cut. Mm. We've talked about this before. My view on it is that there is a difference with stuff that is online versus the real world. Hmm. And and I think that is the fundamental difference. And, I, like, I'm not saying that getting harassed on the internet isn't upsetting, but there is no doubt that behavior that you would never accept in the physical world is, is accepted on the internet. I would find, like, <laughs> I've gotten into, like, these, these huge arguments about guns, germs, and steel, and, like, people have been calling me idiots, like, in hundreds of comments and... Like, this stuff is all over the bad history section of Reddit, and my feeling with that is, like, awesome. I totally love this kind of debating on the internet. I think people should be able to call me an idiot and say that, like, I'm dumb and I don't know what I'm talking about, and then I can argue with them if I want, or I can leave it alone. I have a feeling about that kind of thing that it's like, I am happy that this can exist. Even when people disagree with me in a very vigorous, sometimes super unfriendly way, I am happy in that world, in a way that, like, I totally agree with you, if I was walking down the street, and hundreds of people were yelling at me that I am a moron, that would not be so welcome. That would feel incredibly threatening. Yeah. In a way that it just doesn't on the internet, at least not to me. I'm not so naive that I don't see some
0: differences. But telling me that the internet is different to the real world is absolutely fine, up until the point that Justine Sacco flies back to New York and gets fired from her job because a mob turned her on the internet. Like, that's not on the internet anymore, man. She's now not getting paid. She now, she now She's not allowed to walk into her office now. That's not just on the internet anymore, man.
1: That's why, like, I find this book is really sticking with me because it's- I don't know how we can legalise the distinction because, like, we are both in agreement. And I even said before, like, when you take someone's job away, that is that is the modern equivalent of threatening their life. You are, you are taking away their ability to live in a world that requires them to work. And when you have done it in this way so that their name is forever associated with a thing that like nobody wants to touch Justine Sacco because she's radioactive, not because of the thing that she said, but because of the controversy around her, it, you know, it's, it's like an execution. And so like, I totally agree, like that is... Awful that shouldn't happen. But I like I don't know. Like, how how do you systematize the difference between these things? Like, I I I have a very hard time thinking about like what is the solution to this problem because I I will I'm with you on this. Like, that is too far, that is too much. That is without a doubt awful. But I I just don't know what the answer is. And I think I like I think about this a lot.
0: When you made your video. Poking fun at the Fine Brothers, and then like a day or two later, you saw their subscriber count was dropping, which means their revenue is dropping. Admittedly, it's still in the millions. I don't think they're going to be on the bread line but when you when you (laughs) saw when you saw that in some tiny tiny way the 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 bottom line of that business that employs people is being affected, and you were a you know you were you a know, minor contributor to the mob. I'm not saying it was all you, far from it, but you played a role. Did you think, eh, maybe, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't? Or did you think, fair enough, you know, you do the crime, you do the time?
1: Well, those those are two different things. A question about maybe I shouldn't have versus do they deserve this? I would make those videos again, doing what I was doing. Like, I would make them again. Like, I think it's totally fine to criticise public companies for doing dumb things. And also, again, a company is not taking away like an individual's living in this same way. The Fine Brothers thing. So even though I don't like the let's focus on people unsubscribing, like that starts to make me feel uncomfortable, I think you can make a pretty good argument that that is not that different from a boycott. I don't have any problem with people boycotting companies whose policies they don't agree with. This just happens to be like a super internet-y, super public way of making this very clear. But there's no way I would be like, oh man, if there's some company that you don't like and you want to boycott them, I would never try to argue like, but you're taking away that company's living, man. Like people work for that company. That's not how this works. It's so different when you get down to the scale of like a single person, especially a single person who doesn't live in this public way.
0: I hope you don't make a video kicking me though, gosh. After that incisive or in your super Cali voice, you do it.
1: I was divinely inspired at the moment. I don't think I can, I can reproduce it. (laughs)